Are you having a hard time figuring out what to get Dad for Father's Day? Shop now at sportshistorynetwork.com slash row1 and save 15% off your order when you check out Row 1 Brand's Vintage Sports Pictorium Gallery. They have America's best sports art. With over 7,200 historic sports prints, you're assured to find something unique for Dad this Father's Day. If he's an NFL buff, check out the 1963 Vintage NFL Helmet Poster. Shop now at sportshistorynetwork.com slash row1. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Qualifying for and playing in the Masters is a huge accomplishment. Of course, playing on the PGA Tour is a huge accomplishment. To have the talent to play in Major League Baseball is incredible. Think about all the dreams that die in the minor leagues. Now, Think about the talent one must possess to play in the majors, play in the World Series, play on the PGA Tour, and to qualify for the Masters. Only one man has ever done so. And next, on Sports Forgotten Heroes, we're going to talk about that guy, Sam Bird. Hello and welcome to Sports Forgotten Heroes, episode number 119, Sam Bird. What an incredible story. What an amazing career. Not only did he play in the majors, he was Babe Ruth's backup. He played for the New York Yankees, was solid off the bench, did well when he got a chance to start, played for six seasons with the Yankees and two with the Cincinnati Reds. He was a career 274 hitter, slugged 38 dingers over the course of his career, and had he played for a different team, he might have been a full-time starter. However, if that had happened, perhaps Sam would have never realized his second career, that of being a professional golfer on the PGA Tour, where he became the first and only man in history to play in the Masters after having appeared in a Baseball World Series. And Sam wasn't just some novelty who made it by the skin of his teeth. No, he was good. He won 11 times on the tour. In the 1945 PGA Championship, he made it to the finals when the PGA was a match play event. He made it against Byron Nelson losing 4-3, and and to his credit, he won the Greater Greensboro Open, the Chicago Victory National Open, the Texas Open where he beat Nelson by one stroke, and he also won on the Senior PGA Tour. A remarkable career on the golf course. And on the baseball diamond, he also had some pretty amazing highlights. And joining me today on Sports Forgotten Heroes to talk about Sam is Stephen Rice, who, 
penned a terrific bio about Bird for the Sabre Bio Project. A lot of research went into this bio, and for those who don't know, the Sabre Bio Project is a massive undertaking by the Society of Baseball Research, where the goal is to have a bio written about as many baseball players as possible. Today, there are thousands. Now, before I get to my conversation with Stephen, just a few friendly reminders. Please follow Sports Forgotten Heroes on Twitter at SportsFHeroes. Look for the Sports Forgotten Heroes page on Facebook. Check out the website SportsFH.com. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please give Sports Forgotten Heroes a five-star rating. And if you're feeling up to it, please write a short review as well. If you want to get in touch with me, please email at sportsfh.info at gmail.com. That's sportsfh.info at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for your support. Hey, one last note for more sports history, please check out the Sports History Network, of which Sports Forgotten Heroes is a proud member. That's the sportshistorynetwork.com. Okay, now let's get into today's show about Sam Bird with my guest, Stephen Rice. And joining me now on Sports Forgotten Heroes is Stephen Rice. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, really interested in Sam Bird. He's quite the interesting topic because when you think of two sports stars, most of the time you would think of guys like uh, a Deion Sanders who was so good in baseball and football and Bo Jackson, who well, Sam you know, Bird grew up in Birmingham, two, Alabama. Two sports stars, and his family and lived others, beside you know, the, the Roebuck Golf Course in Birmingham. And that golf course is still there, still operating Celtics. today. Um, Brian Jordan, uh, and Ernie so Nevers, as a as a Gene boy, Conley. he caddied at the golf they all course. Played in like two like other major uh, boys his age, he was interested leagues. in baseball and played but baseball. He also Sam played Burke. basketball. Tell uh, us but about naturally, he learned who to play Sam golf was and, and uh, became proficient at it. Uh, I so imagine unique. at quite a young age. Uh, but he pursued. Baseball, when uh, he had an opportunity to uh, go pro with the Birmingham Barons of the Southern Association minor league team. Uh, And this was uh, in the mid 1920s. He he rose up through the ranks and eventually became uh, part of the New York Yankees organization. Well, he still maintained his interest in golf during this time, but at this point, his bread and butter, you know, he his ticket was appeared to be baseball. The good news is he joined a great team. The bad news is he joined a great team. In other words, he couldn't break into the he couldn't break mm-hmm. into the starting lineup. 
and there were um you know newspaper writers at the time who observed that hey this sammy bird is a heck of a player but he's sitting on the bench for the yankees because he can't crack this the starting outfield he was a he was an excellent fielder he was speedy he hit for a good average um <clears throat> and he made uh, a very good backup a substitute a fill-in a defensive replacement a pinch runner all of the things you like to have on your team <laughs> yeah. and you're not he, kidding he got paid well uh, he uh uh you know he, he was part of these famous teams um uh, of the new york yankees from uh, let me get the years right, from 1929 to 1934. Uh, and this was also the era when Lou Gehrig star starred, but most notably Babe Ruth. And it, this was near the end of Babe Ruth's career. So Babe Ruth, uh, often uh, he would get sick or he would be out too late the night before and have a bellyache. And they needed somebody to, to fill in for him. And and uh, so often near the end of Babe Ruth's career, uh, he was uh, he was replaced late in the game with a defensive uh, replacement in the outfield, and that was Sammy Bird. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, uh, this happened so often that Sammy Bird was nicknamed Babe Ruth's Legs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was his meal ticket. But what he found uh, as a major league ball player is golf was very popular with the major mm -hmm. leaguers uh, and with Babe Ruth in particular. And so uh, whenever uh, Yankees would have a chance, uh, this was probably more <laughs> often uh, possible. You know, he was he was training, really good. They would go off and play golf. In in and, both and Babe Ruth loved to play baseball. golf, and most people and would have said, would have said Babe Ruth was, was one of the best golfers golf among because major leaguers, but he a, wasn't as good as Sammy Bird. That be accurate? So it's kind, of, it's kind of humorous. So so Bird was considered Babe Ruth's understudy in the Yankee outfield, but but on the golf course, Ruth was second fiddle to Bird. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. <laughs> Ruth wasn't second fiddle to many people in in just about anything, but wow, you know, second fiddle to to his second fiddle is 
is saying something. Uh, he was um, a, a let, reserve. Let's, let's look were, at Sam's called him a reserve outfielder. baseball career. Let's start uh, there. And pinch hitter. Um, um, overall, he, he hit 274. He really for only his became career. a starter that, that uh, had a first modest year 38 home runs, when he, 220 when he went to the RBIs. Reds was a heck of a defensive ball player. Um, he started his career, like you said, in 1939 you know, he waited a long time with the for Yankees. His chance and he ended his to, career um, in 1936 to become a starter the in the Yankees outfield. And uh, how would you was classify because, the baseball career uh, in 1935? Um, at, let me get the dates right. I'm checking my notes. Well, I think yeah, it was, I I think it was 32. Was I think that's where you're going to go. Um, uh, um, the, in 32, he got his break. Was, I mean, first of he all, was a good it wasn't just guy. Babe Ruth. He, did, he I mean, understood Earl his Combs role on the and team. Bob Musil uh, and, he, he and Ben Chapman. These were the that, guys uh, back that Sam Bird had to well, so they, they beat out to for that get role. into the starting lineup um, of the New York Yankees as an outfielder. How does a guy? I think he was he was get a fair shot He's relatively at breaking into the lineup when believe. you're sharing the same locker room with um, those guys. It it had to weigh on what, him. It had to be some. The irony is when he finally when he finally went to the Reds. Actually, it was in December of 1934 when his contract was purchased by the Cincinnati Reds. Now the Reds were a terrible team at that time. And so Sam Bird was acquired to to become a starting outfielder on the 1935 Reds. So finally, he gets to be uh, a starter. Well, two months after uh, the Reds acquired him, ba Babe Ruth was released by the Yankees. Mm -hmm. he, he was washed up. And and even more ironic is. The, the very day that the Cincinnati Reds acquired his contract in December of 1934 was the day the Yankees made a trade with the San Francisco Seals of the Pacific Coast League to acquire Joe DiMaggio. So the Yankees had their <laughs> the Yankees had their next great outfielder coming. Um, so I don't know that Bird would have gotten much opportunity uh, with the Yankees, um, <laughs> but uh, wow. he, wow. he go ahead. Yeah. Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. So so he almost broke through into the starting lineup and briefly did in April of 1932. He had he had this amazing uh, he was going to get. He, yeah, he was going to get an opportunity runs, though. Four home I think runs it was in, in 1932. Unbelievable! Uh, he got his big and, break, uh, and he, so he started in, he in had center a fantastic field. Spray from April 12th and they to gave April him 23rd. Center field job. 1932. He hit three, three eighty nine for the Yankees. With four home he runs got off to a pretty games. torrid start. But he ran Tell into us about that some health problems. He had sinus how he problems. started that season. And he ended up back on the bench. Um, now he returned to the starting lineup in September of that year for 15 games. Briefly, uh, I guess when one of the, the regulars was, was injured. Um, and again, he excelled, hit 343 in that stretch. Uh, the Yankees won the pennant, but their starting outfield in the World Series was Babe Ruth, Earl Combs, and Ben Chapman. And Sammy Bird got to play in the last inning of the last game uh, as a defensive replacement for Ruth in the outfield. So he got to, so he made a token appearance. But it, but that was enough uh, for him later uh, when he, became a pro golfer and, and competed in the Masters, he is still today the only man to have appeared in the World Series and played golf in the famous Masters tournament. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, such I a didn't, uh, I didn't unique see any evidence of that. Uh, um, excelling the in golf and so at, you know, so excelling after in the one year with the Reds when um, which he was a starter. You just got to sit the Reds there and think to yourself moved him to a backup this guy role had so much in talent 1936. as a baseball player. And then they and traded break into the St. Louis Cardinals organization who, who wanted to demote him to the Rochester Red Wings, Rochester, New York team of the know, international. Have he ever expressed well, any Bird, displeasure at this point, decided, with his situation uh, I'm not as a baseball do that. player? Now it's my time. I'm going to pursue pro golf. And he, he had been told by top golfers at that of that era, Bobby Jones, Tommy Armour, famous names, that if he focused on golf, he could be a successful pro golfer. So this was his chance finally. When baseball kind of gave up on him, he decided he was going to pursue professional golf. And he didn't hit it big on the pro golf circuit immediately. But by 1941, he was competing at the highest level and he finished third in the masters in 1941 and fourth mm -hmm. 
1942. Yeah, before we get before we get into all that though, let's let's just uh, head back to the uh, baseball diamond for okay, his, a moment. He, he, he so definitely he was playing golf during those 30, early years of 31, his career, and he would go out with Babe Ruth and other Yankees, the Yankees uh, um, go you know, golfing whenever they could. But he wasn't golfing enough to before um, to really hone his game. The golf uh, his first. Um, his first during those pro four years, did golfing you find tournament, professional tournament, was at Pinehurst, North Carolina, in November 1930. Working on his golf, so that was perhaps when he golf swing, was ready to put his toe in the water season, and for say, that matter, during "Let the me season, see how I can do." Was he playing in any tournaments against the pros? And uh, and that that December, uh, the the pros they gasped. And his 300-yard tee shots, they were amazed. And Tommy Arper, Tommy Armour, A-R-M-O-U-R, famous golfer of the era, he said, I believe he can hit a golf, a bird can hit a golf ball as far as anyone now living. And I also believe with, with a little more chance to play and practice, he would be one of the true stars of the game. So that's that's the encouragement he got near the end of 1933. But he wasn't ready mm -hmm. to give up on baseball until after the 1936 season uh, when uh, he got traded to the Cardinals <laughs> organization. They wanted to send him to the minors. He didn't want to go to the minors. The Cardinals said, well, right. well, we'll keep you as a bench player on the major league team. No, no, he didn't want, he didn't want to do that anymore. It was time to to try uh, try a career in professional golf. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, in that 33 tournament um, uh, where Jones said the guy could hit the ball uh, 
he might have been. He might have been. Said he um, farther than so we look at his ages during those most, years uh, he played for the Yankees. He was golf swings. He, he played for the seen. Yankees from age 21 so, to 26. What I'm wondering. So that those are pretty is you know prime years for for well, is there you know, any up and coming pro golfers. Ever read anything um, besides those quotes and from, so he wasn't really Jones and developing Armour, as a pro golfer. Which could be enough at evidence. That time. That um, had so, Sam played golf yeah, maybe, instead of you know, baseball, maybe by splitting could he his have been attention one of the best to play golf between baseball and golf, time? he you know he didn't get to to be a, a real star in either. But he may, I think he made up for it uh, after his baseball career because he did by the early forties he was he was considered one of the top golfers. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. Um, so yeah. going again back to 33, he, mm -hmm. he tries his hand at playing professional golf, but well, he goes back to the, the Yankees getting after a, the a golf good, season. Good salary from the Yankees. I, it had uh, to it was have been to pass that really up. only um, about the I, money. I remember Because I, remember I can't reading, imagine... Uh, quotes from Bird in which he, potential he compared he the difference between the golf tour for being a pro a golf ball. baseball player and a, and a pro Why golfer. Why would you elect and to go back and play baseball? He said baseball the pressures on a pro golfer is much, much greater. As much, opposed much greater. to going out and he says, as a and pro baseball player, you have all your teammates. On the tour and he was blessed with his tremendous teammates on the Yankees. But the point he was, I think he was trying to make was, was as a pro golfer, you're a team of one. And whether you, whether you, you're going to make any money on a tournament, it, it, it sits squarely on your shoulders. So there was no, you know, you had no guaranteed salary. You, you, you had to do well enough in the tournament to, to, to earn a paycheck. And so uh, yeah, he felt the pressure wow. of, of that situation, and I think it's probably was um, uh, easier to <laughs> yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, to get the the a good salary from the Yankees.
Mm-hmm. Well, with the Yankees, after the 1934 season, his sixth with the Yankees, in which he hit 281 overall, he finally got so, his break when Cincinnati the, purchased the his Reds, contract. I guess he we're like the, the Yankees Reds, in that. And he became they a were, full-time they, player. Listen to these numbers. They felt they never had enough outfielders. They played in 121 games. They were always trying to acquire more. Came so, to play. Well, he had uh, 416 his, his at as a starter, hit nine home uh, runs, was relatively knocked short. in 52. And this, he this was in part overall. Uh, I mean, due to the fact that the Reds acquired player. a future how Hall of Famer, Kai Kai Kyler, how was he accepted um, there? And how how another outfielder how for the team? Did he play? And so that eventually that cut into Bird's playing time in the outfield when Kyler joined the team. Yeah, it's really amazing because Bird had a decent season with the Reds in 1935. And I guess the Reds, and he he wasn't that old. I mean, he was all of 27 years old in 1935. So he's in the prime of his career. He's finally getting a shot. The disappointment at this point must have been you know there had to have been disappointment he gets he gets a chance to play and it's not like he didn't play well and then in 36 he only appears in 59 games hits 248 so yes with indeed two home runs and 13 ribbies so it was the and bottom of the ninth season, that's in when he Cincinnati, goes on, and the Reds were trailing uh, the, the Pittsburgh and, Pirates uh, uh, three to nothing. Leaves the Reds for the Cardinals, and the bases and the Cardinals were loaded. Wanted to mow them, and he says, "You know and what?" The Reds manager Chuck Dressen, but sent before Bird in he went yet. to the Cardinals, he did and have the a very couple first of, pitch from the Pirates. A couple of pretty hurlers, big highlights, Blanton, and one heck Bird of a night. Hit a home run on May twenty third. So this isn't any old home run. This is a grand slam. He did something. It was, it was that a walk-off no grand slam. Ever done Bottom of the ninth, so the score went that? from three nothing deficit to four three dramatic victory for the Reds. And and the baseball historians call this rare event of a grand slam to win the game in the bottom of the ninth an ultimate grand slam. And. I guess you can't really, I mean, you can't argue with that term. It does seem like the ultimate. He was the first pinch hitter. He was the first to pinch hit an ultimate grand slam in Major League history that day, May 23rd, 1936.
Wow. <laughs> well, um, there were there were times when he got to start a game here or there, and he 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 shined uh, when he. Um, let me see if I can find the example That's here in my notes. A heck of a story. He, um, Did he have any other? Particular in, uh, highlights. His rookie season you know, in 1929. Um, tougher reserve player and a guy who really for gets an opportunity a sick Babe Ruth, to play full time for one uh, season for about over the course of eight 17 years. day period. Were there any other and highlights he during his baseball he made career one that stick out? Forty chances in right field. And there was one game against the Chicago White Sox. Sports writer Irving Vaughn praised Bird's fielding in right field and, and noted that it was quite an upgrade over Bay Ruth's fielding. Vaughn wrote, on three occasions, Bird flag drives that the ponderous Babe would have been forced to welcome on the first hop. So, yeah, Bird was, was Babe Ruth's legs out there defensively helping the Yankees in the late innings. <laughs> you know, Steve, I I can't help but think to myself, and I'm sure without a doubt that it's happened to other ball players. They get stuck behind someone or a couple of guys, and they just never get the opportunity to really go out and prove themselves and establish yeah, the, themselves. The stats as of, solid of a backup generally, players you're going to see lower batting averages so because they're not playing regularly. It's hard to stay even sharp. Become an all-star player, um, and yet he but they still never get had the good shot. batting averages and for the Yankees. When you read about and when he got to play and look about regularly the numbers for, that he put up and the players that at a time. he played Yeah, he behind. was hitting 320, 330. And again, going back to those numbers um, that, you know, that that's he put as good up as you could hope when for. given the opportunity to play every day, you got to sit there and scratch your head and go, man, this guy could have been so much more.
no yeah, doubt. I think he had been thinking about that transition after that thirty-five season, or I'm sorry, or the thirty-six years. season, as as um, you said before. That that was one of his goals uh, to give pro golf a try. The Reds gave up on, on him, shipped him off to St. Um, Louis, and so and maybe he was waiting for the right opportunity when to the minors. Major, his major was it league at that baseball point, opportunity at was the age coming of twenty-eight? Uh, when that Bird was said, you know what? I've had enough of to make being that a reserve move. ball and, player. And when the Cardinals, I'm just not going to get a the shot. Cardinals heard that he didn't want to go to the go minors, Branch Rickey, who famous, is that really what happened? He just said, you know what? Jackie Robinson I've had my time to the big leagues sitting on the bench. 1947, Branch Rickey was running the Cardinals farm system at that time, 1936. And Branch Rickey said, oh, we don't want to lose him. He doesn't want to go to the minors. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, why don't you want, why don't you join the major league Cardinals? Yeah, but that was going to be sitting on the bench again and pinch hitting and, and Bird had, had already decided it was time to give pro golf a try. Um, I tried to research carefully and find the the all the tournaments that he'd won um, because I had yeah I, I guess an eight years that, of sitting on the bench he, had, he won twenty three uh, tournaments in his can career can finally wear you down uh, which but which turning to professional golf so, man it wasn't so the worst decision. Thirty-seven. Um, after a slow start, he really got it going. Nineteen forty-nine. Um, you know, he won twenty-three. He won a share of tournaments. But, uh, what can you tell you know, you us all that you haven't already about his baseball. time it's on not easy the to PGA Tour? The golf records. And Yeah, yeah, I think I think of those 23, I think only 11 count as official PGA Tour wins, but man, he was a contender. Like you said, um he finished third in the Masters in 1941. He was second in the PGA in 1945. He did play in the US Open a couple times. His best finish was 16th in 1939. And man, he beat some pretty big names in the tournaments he did win. And um, 1942, the Greater Greensboro Open, he finished ahead of Hogan, Ben Hogan, and Lloyd Mangrum. 
in 40 uh, yeah, I think, won the I think you Chicago make a good point. Victory I National think you make Open. a good point. If he had focused uh, on pro golf, finishing second was his, Craig his Wood, and he was five career, strokes back of Bird. May have been 45. Uh, he may have been spectacular. Beat Byron Nelson with um, a course record in the say, Texas Open. But I mean, this guy was what a talented this guy, guy was good. And to, uh, as much as we sit here and wonder in, in how good he could have been, had he been uh, a full-time baseball never, player, never you also got to wonder how good he, he could have been as a full-time golfer had he started in his in his 20s. What do you think about that? I think he is still remembered today as perhaps the the best golfer to come out of the pro baseball world. I, I I've actually found quotes. Nah, he did. People still remember really him is and giving him that recognition. Hey, Steve, when you look back at the career, um, as you say, or he might have done even better if he was just Sam focused Burr. on golf and not. If and somebody came up to you and said, and baseball, I'm about to do it, how should he be remembered? Many, well, Steve, many, how uh, should Sam who, Bird be remembered? Uh, you know, in pro baseball, pro football, who were great all-around athletes who tried their hand at pro golf and didn't do very well. And Bird might have been the best of uh, the these guys in terms of the, <laughs> his success in pro golf. No doubt. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for taking some time to spend with me on Sports Forgotten Heroes, your biography about Sam Bird in the Sabre Bio Project was a wonderful recap of a really terrific career on the baseball diamond and on the golf links. And again, I want to say thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Warren. I enjoyed it very much. For his career, Bird hit 274, mostly as a part-time player. He slugged 38 home runs, drove in 220, had 101 doubles, and he hit 10 triples. In his lone season as a full-time starter, 1935, with the Cincinnati Reds, Bird hit 262 with nine home runs and 52 RBI. But the Reds had other plans for other ballplayers after that season, and Sam just finally gave up on baseball after 1936 
and went to the PGA Tour full-time. Not a bad decision. Not a bad decision at all. I'd like to thank my guest, Stephen Rice, once again for spending some time with us. And thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen. And I look forward to seeing all of you again next time on Sports Forgotten Humor. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes.